Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for August has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. My guest this week is James Barclay, an IT consultant, hobbyist developer, comics creator, and currently living in the San Francisco Bay Area, of which I'm a wee bit jealous. How's it going, James? I'm good. How are you, Brett? I am great. Contrary to what I said in the pre-show, I'm actually pretty great. (laughs) Actually pretty great. That's Um, good. So, let's see. I want to skip ahead in your kind of introduction here to the comics creator part. Uh, What... what, we had a we had a guest recently who was doing his entire like doctoral thesis as a comic book. Right. What kind of comics do you do? Um, I have done exclusively autobiographical comics, um, which sort of fits in with that theme. Um, I made my first comic in college after um, being involved with a sequential drawing course. Um, the professor uh, of that particular uh, class um, actually did something very similar to your previous guest. He, um, although not in the form of a comic, he did his uh, master's thesis on uh, the, his creative process uh, as it relates to comics. Um, so he kind of inspired me, and I, you know, we we made a book during the class, a twenty-four page comic, and um, I kind of picked up from there and continued uh, making comics and going to a few, uh, you know, shows in the area. I went to uh, the small press and alternative comics expo in uh, Columbus, Ohio, tabled there, um, sold a few comics. Uh, Also went to Michigan state university. They have a yearly uh, uh, kind of like a comics creator event where, you know, they set up 12 tables or so and have people come in and, talk to the creators and they also do, um, you know, uh, they have more academic, uh, uh, presentations and things like that. So, yeah. So when, when you say autobiographical, do you mean that your life is a comic book or that the comic (laughs) book is spot onto your life or is it more of an interpretation? It's more of an interpretation. So, um, I have picked, you know, several events that have occurred in my life and um, translated those into comic book format. Um, One of which, um, in fact, my most recent comic was um, uh, a conversation that I recorded with uh, a good friend of mine. We were just driving to Ikea of all things. And uh, um, I kind of, I I knew I needed to make a comic uh, for an independent study credit and um, I didn't really know what to make it about so I just decided to start recording and I didn't tell my friend that I was recording I of course got his permission afterwards but um, yeah I just tried to keep it as natural as possible and then uh, translated that into a script that I started doing thumbnails after and turned it into a full 24 page comic after that I bet you the NSA could make some great comic books (laughs) I bet they could <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. So, what's your favorite comic book slash graphic novel? Oh, it's a tough one. Um, it would be for me too because I don't I don't have any. But <laughs> um, uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of um, 
uh, Black Hole, which I'm forgetting the name of uh, the creator here. Find it. Um, Charles Burns. Um, It was uh, released serially and uh, eventually uh, converted into graphic novel format. Um, But it's, it's a lot different than what I've done in my comics, but it's, it's very dark, uh, high contrast. Uh, the theme kind of, uh, you know, uh, follows that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a great comic. It's worth cool. looking into. I, I will have to, I've, I've, I've gotten a few recommendations now, but I still haven't gotten into the whole comics, yeah. which I guess is weird on five by five. I guess there's, yeah, quite there, a... there are a few holdouts, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to try it out. Um, yeah. okay. So, Let's see. Hobbyist developer. You, you work as an IT consultant, but what does right. hobbyist mean? You, you develop in your free time? Yeah. Do you so, make money at it? Um, occasionally. Okay. Um, you know, I've, I've done some work uh, for certain clients um, that, uh, that I have now that, um, you know, I'm working in Objective-C and Cocoa and things like that. But it's not my day job necessarily, but it's, it's probably... 30% of what I do, um, professionally. Um, but it's still, you know, I'm still not professional developer, I suppose. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. uh, so there's a difference then between independent developer, meaning you went full-time developing. And, right. And I guess that makes me a hobbyist developer. <laughs> well, you have commercial apps, so I think I, that makes you more than a, I hobbyist. guess, I guess a hobbyist developer of commercial apps. There you go. Maybe. It's got a nice ring to it. So you like scripting too though, right? Yeah, definitely. That I do a lot of scripting in my day job. So. What's, what's your favorite scripting language to work in? Python. I should really get better at Python. I should too. <laughs> <laughs> I do write a lot in uh, you know, just shell because it's fast and easy. Um, and I wouldn't I'm, say it's easy. It's, <laughs> oft, it's often the most convenient, but rarely the easiest. Yeah, it can be difficult to debug, um, if nothing else. But it's um, at least in um, the the community that I'm involved in, uh, kind of like the Mac IT world. Um, there seem to be more shell scripts floating around uh, that accomplish certain things than anything else. I'm starting to see more Python, but and Ruby occasionally, but it's mostly shell. So it's not uncommon for me to, you know, when I Google something for, you know, a shell script to pop up and I'll have to make some changes to it. But So here's the question that I get asked all the time. I get emails from listeners, especially younger ones that want to know how to get started in development. And I like, I like the idea of asking you this because you don't consider yourself a full-time professional developer, right? But you're someone who's, who's gotten good at multiple languages and can and can you work your way around whatever problem needs to be solved? What would you say the best place to start is? Um, I mean, for me, I started doing web development um, and you know just basically HTML, uh, which you know is, is not you know anything like a programming language, but it got me used to certain things like you know working with plain text and. Um, you know, uh, just certain structures and things like that. Um, and kind of, you know, just going from there, I mean, I, you know, to me, 
um, you know, it, 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 it always has to start with me needing to solve a particular problem. I, I don't work well with books. Um, I'm not the type of person that can like sit down one of these like interactive tutorials and just type a bunch of stuff and learn a lot from that. I, I, you know, I, I guess the, the, the answer in that case is just, you know, find a, a problem to solve or something you're interested in and look for the best way to, uh, to accomplish that, or at least one way of doing it. That is exactly what I, I keep telling people and feeling like it's not, it's really difficult advice to give because right. I think you're a lot like me in that when faced with a problem, you just start looking for ways to solve it and you you're autodidactic enough. I'm assuming mm -hmm. I just met you, but you seem like <laughs> the kind of person who can pick up the pieces quickly enough to put them together and solve right. a problem. And, right. and I think that a lot of the people who are asking that question are probably the ones that do better with like code school tutorials. Yes. I think that's yes. entirely possible because people who, who can just figure it out generally do just figure it out. Mm-hmm. No offense to anyone who's ever asked that question because it's it's not at all like a dumb question. No, it's not just at all. one that people like me have a hard time answering. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I also yeah. have difficulty with that. Have you ever used the Code School tutorials? Um, I did actually recently. I went through the Ruby tutorials and I've forgotten everything <laughs> that uh, I learned. I'm I'm going through their Git one right now. Yeah, and it's. Because my knowledge of Git was all, I learned it the same way I learned everything, just like mm -hmm. as I needed it. Right. And things are starting to make a lot more sense because this tutorial is really well done. They I should, are. I should link these. I, you know what? That, I, I, I should probably go through the Git tutorial because I'm, you know, I, I learned Git um, or became familiar with it kind of just by necessity. Um, I use it for almost everything at this point, but... Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know I'm sure there are a ton of hidden hidden gems, oh, um, man. just things that I don't even know exist or know to look for that Git, could really. <laughs> Git is one of the most complex command line utilities I have ever seen. the The number yeah. of submodules that come with it by default, mm -hmm. and the options that each submodule has, it, it blows my mind because I I literally learn something new and and exciting about Git almost every week. Yeah. And sometimes by accident, sometimes out of necessity, but I'm constantly right. in awe. That's true of most of Unix for me. Yeah. Like, I find a new Unix command just about every week. Oh, yeah. It's a delight. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> like, sometimes, I've never seen that before. I just read the man page. Exactly. It's like, sometimes I just do, like, man, man minus K mm -hmm. and just, like, just find everything related to any topic. And I usually end up discovering things just paging through man yeah. files. Yeah. For anyone listening that doesn't know what a man file is, it's not what it sounds like. It's actually, it's a manual for right. a command. Um, anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do our first sponsor because there's another topic I want to jump into after that. Cool. So I will tell you about Hover.com Simplified Domain Management. You've probably registered a domain with a company that just wants to sell you services you're not interested in when all you want is a simple .com or maybe a .co or .tv. Hover makes it easy. Just enter the domain name you're interested in into their search box, and Hover will tell you if it's available. If not, it'll come up with some suggestions. You can also just type in a few keywords, and Hover will figure out some available domains for you using those terms like magic. Hover has this awesome thing called Forward Only Email Package. 
This allows you to get an email on your domain name for just $5 a year while continuing to use the same email client. It's a great way to have professional email addresses for a resume or business rather than generic at gmail.com address. They have real human beings available for support, and their number is right on the front page of their website. If you have any problems, just pick up the phone and call. They have a no-hold policy. Somebody just answers the phone. Seamless transfers from other providers, elegant DNS management, email hosting, and more. And if you use the code DANSENTME or visit hover.com slash DANSENTME, you'll get 10% off of everything you buy from hover.com. And I just found out today that they're also now selling I.O. addresses. So Yeah, I saw that. So do That's something clever cool. with an I.O. Yeah. Huge, huge fan of Hover. I transferred everything to Hover probably a year ago. And I felt pretty good about that. Yeah. I think Coming all from GoDaddy. All the cool kids, yeah, me too. <laughs> all the cool kids are switching to Hover. Yeah. All right. So in college, you're an art major. That's right. I'm, I'm telling you this like you don't know it, but you know that. <laughs> I do. But now you work in IT. Right. What is, what's your current scope of responsibility? How would you describe your job? Um, I help companies with, uh, I guess, their, their large-scale Mac deployments and kind of integration um, into... Um, you know, into standard Windows IT environments. Um, so I'm uh, kind of just making the Mac work and, uh, you know, in, in that type of environment and be a first-class citizen, I guess, is uh, how I would describe it. So how did you get then from A to B? Um, so in college, I worked at uh, the Apple Store in Novi, Michigan, and uh, uh, started out as a Mac specialist, um, uh, which is kind of like a salesperson that, you know, does their best to answer questions for people that are interested in purchasing Apple products. I did that for a few months, and then I did, um, uh, was promoted to genius uh, and did the training in Cupertino and all that, and um, just kind of led to more... In, um, interesting positions. And, you know, after that, I worked for uh, another uh, Apple uh, authorized um, reseller and service provider and consultants network member in Novi, Michigan, and was there for a few years until I moved to California. <laughs> so um, it just kind of happened organically, I think. Um, and it's not something that, you know, uh, I dislike, <laughs> you know, I actually enjoyed doing it. So, um, you know, it uh, seemed like a good fit. I, I know how it feels. Let's yeah. uh, let's back way up, though. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your computer experience before becoming an art major? Um, very little. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, growing up, um, didn't really have computers in the house until you know v very late. Uh, uh, I think I don't know. We had some home built PC. Um, during like the AOL years. <laughs> so, um, you know, I didn't really care about computers then. I was more interested in skateboarding. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess, you know, that, that was really about it. Uh, it wasn't until um, in high school, like my senior year, um, there was kind of uh, like an off-campus type of thing where you go and learn a skill. And I, I went for 
visual communications, which is what I ended up getting my degree in. Um, and we had uh, Emacs with uh, an assortment of OS 9 and OS 10 on them. And uh, I became pretty proficient with, uh, with them at that point. And um, after, it wasn't, wasn't until after I graduated high school and came back from Japan, I was there for uh, about 10 days uh, on a trip. I, uh, I bought my first Mac and it was a, an iMac G5, um, the iSight model, uh, first, or there was a uh, pre-Intel model. Um, so yeah, that was kind of how it happened. Okay. Okay. Like I went, um, we had post-secondary education options. Did you have that? Yeah. That's basically what it was. Yeah. I, I, I went comp sci with mine. Oh, okay. And then ended up in art school. So I went into it with a lot of computer knowledge. Right. And came out of it still wanting to be a designer. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, I, I ended up on the same path you did pretty much. I never worked at an Apple store and I was never promoted to a genius. Um, <laughs> you got to yeah. include air quotes with. The genius, right? <laughs> I've never been promoted. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Um, but uh, so you, you kind of, you, you cultivated this, this love of, of technology mm-hmm. through, through the medium of art. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what? I mean, I, I, you know, it, um, just kind of naturally using the tool. Um, I became. I'm. I would describe myself as a curious type. So you know, I. The more I used the tool, the more I wanted to to know about it, and uh, um, it, you know, just one thing led to another. Um, so I think I probably learned most about uh, about uh, uh, I guess the Mac um, when I was actually working at a gas station uh, when, before the Apple Store, of course. Uh, and I had a lot of time on my hands uh, at that point, and I would just bring my computer in, and I didn't have internet access or anything, but I would just mess around with my Mac, and um, you know, I did that for more than a year and learned quite a bit about it. I, yeah, that is, I think, I think that's true of just about any operating system, like having, having no internet access and not being able to just use it as a web browser. Right. And actually having time and uh, necessity to poke around right. the operating system yeah. can like, teach what's you a this? lot. What's Net Info Manager? Let me. Right. <laughs> my, my wife yesterday um, called me over because she said my downloads folder just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was one of those things. Uh, she had it in her dock, and she had accidentally dragged it out of the dock and had poofed it. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it seemed like I realized in that moment that these things baffled me at one point too. Like when I first sat down with a Mac, I had no one there to teach me how to use a Mac. I was twenty-one years old, twenty-two. I don't right. even know. But I, I was I was old enough that I I sh- I knew Windows really well. Mm-hmm. And the Mac seemed very foreign, and and I had spent hours in a back room at at a my first job, figuring out how these little tweaks in the operating system worked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that moment when when I showed her how to drag it back into the dock, and it, it just it all clicked for her. It was just kind of right. it's a learning experience. Yeah, all these little things it does, like holding down Option and clicking things just randomly oh, yeah. to see what happens. Yes. 
So how do you think that your, your background in creative arts affects your current job? Um, you know, I think there is a, a lot of overlap, especially when coding, um, when I'm writing software or a script or something like that. I think a lot of the, you know, creative problem solving um, that was drilled into me in, in college uh, still applies there. Um, and, you know, there are certain things like, you know, writing documentation. Um, you know, you're given the opportunity to be creative with that or, um, you know, uh, you know, the, it, it's more abstract, I think. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult to draw a line between, you know, uh, the world of IT and art, but I think there are definitely some similarities there. Um, I think with anything, I think that IT and technology in general is more left brain than people think. Right. I think that it does. It requires a vast amount of creativity. Or I guess right brain. Does it, am I confused? Yeah, left brain is yeah. math, huh? Yeah. I am. I'm no brained most of the time, <laughs> but yeah, more right brained. Yeah. Than, than it is, uh, more than people give it credit for. I won't say it's not at all left-brained. Yeah. But they're definitely, all the people that are best at what they do in the technology world yeah. are creative. Yeah, absolutely. They're creative people. Like, even when you get into the entrepreneurs, not so much every CEO, but the people who start the startups, mm-hmm. they, they have a grasp of technology, but more than anything, they have ideas. Right. Usually. Right. The one, the ones that, the ones that are successful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're not just, uh, not just running out there with a wallet and right. waving it around. But anyway, <laughs> um, do you use, uh, computers at all when you create comics? Actually, I don't. You're, <laughs> you're a pen and, pen and paper guy. Pen and paper. Yeah. Even the lettering, which, uh, when I was taking my sequential drawing class, I think I was the only one that uh that didn't use the the computer for lettering um i i i can't really explain why it just seemed more appealing to me the, the, i when when done well which i'm not saying that mine was by any stretch but when done well i think hand lettering um in comics uh kind of lends itself to the the uh the artwork it's uh, there there is you know, a relationship between the two that is very clearly defined. And you can sometimes achieve that with, um, you know, if you pick the, the, the correct typeface, um, you know, and it's used well, um, I think you can achieve that with, you know, uh, computer lettering. But, uh, um, but you can yeah, always, I, you can tell, you can pick a font out really quickly. Yeah, exactly. And even, even if you don't consciously realize something is hand lettered, you, mm-hmm. you're, you're not jarred out of the experience by, well, at least a person like me, as soon as they notice that two E's are the same. Yeah. Like my mind wanders off into font land and less mm-hmm. into a story. Yeah. Especially being a designer. Like what, what font is that? <laughs> yeah. Well, my brother showed me a font the other day and I, I wish I could remember offhand what it was called, but it, it was a script based font that you mm-hmm. could use on the web and it wouldn't repeat the letter forms for the same character used twice in a sentence. Hmm. So it had like had eight or nine different letter forms for the most common letters and then two or three for the less common and then multiple versions of every ligature. Okay. 
and it essentially made it look like it was completely hand lettered, hmm. but you could just type it and it was dynamic. Like you could, you could have right. dynamic text change as you type it. Like the E, the previous E you would type the next time you type mm-hmm. an E, the previous one would change. It, it was crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll see if I can find that for the show. Interesting. Notes, but, yeah, definitely. But anyway, um, what about in the brainstorming process when you're working on a storyline and things? Do you use mm-hmm. uh, like things like plain text notes or anything? I do. I I, I usually uh, start with uh, <laughs> with yeah with a new plain text note. Um, occasionally, you know, I do keep uh, pen and paper with me um, almost always, and depending on what I'm working on, uh, if it makes sense to for, to include uh, a drawing or a sketch. Um, I will uh, most likely start with with paper, but um, and then I'll take a photo of it and throw it in Evernote. Um, but I don't use Evernote for <laughs> for my plain text notes. I, I I'm a Vim user. So. Sure. Yeah. Um. Um. Random aside, have you mm-hmm. ever seen Cheaters? The like cheat sheet app I made. No, I don't think I. I just I I put up a new Vim cheat sheet today. That's oh, really? the most concise one I've found. That's, um, that's I, 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 mean, I totally stole it and turned it into a, <laughs> into a cheaters page, but, right. uh, I, I learned new things. Like I'm a, yeah. I'm a kind of Vim user. I, I, I needed to learn Vim. Uh-huh. So I learned my way around it and I can edit pretty quickly in it, but mm-hmm. it's not my go-to editor. Okay. Um, but this, I think, yeah, I didn't know that you were a Vim user. I don't think I've ever heard you mention it on any of the, the shows. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm good enough. Like, Half my blog posts are actually written in Vim because a lot of times I will just SSH into right. my build server and okay. just write a post right there on the server in Vim. Right. So yeah. I'm not I'm not foreign to it. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I've I, I had spent at one point I had spent so much time customizing Vim mm-hmm. that it got to a point where it was no longer like the knowledge I was generating was no longer portable to a <laughs> server. Like, right. So yeah. I'd SSH into another server and I'd load up Vim. Yeah. And I'd have no idea w- even what my leader key was anymore. Right. And, uh, and so I had to kind of back up and start right. from scratch on that. But yeah, we have lost half the audience right now. <laughs> so in an effort to get them back, what other tools do you use for brainstorming? Do you do a lot of uh, like planning um, it's, it's basically just plain text and maybe a piece of paper. Um, I don't, you know, I've tried, um, different mind mapping tools and, uh, that, you know, they've just never stuck for me. I don't, I don't really know why, but, um, you know, it just, it, they never have. <laughs> do you, do you find, um, do you, I think for me, mind mapping works with the way I think. Mm-hmm. And and it's always from the first time I laid down a couple of topics in a mind map, mm-hmm. it's always made sense to me. And I've talked to plenty of people for whom it does not make sense. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a specific? Uh, do you work well in a linear format? Do you work best with like lists or outlines? Yeah, li- lists primarily. Um, almost everything. I mean, I'm you know I write a lot in Markdown and the you know, asterisk is typed quite a bit for me or, you know, uh, ordered lists and things like that. Um, so yeah, I guess in that sense, I probably do think more linearly, but, um, 
I've had some success with with mind mapping. I, I feel like when I'm using those tools, they make sense to me um, at that particular moment. But I have trouble making the connections when I revisit uh, the, the the mind map. When I need to extract some information from it, um, I'm you know like how did the, how did I make this logical leap? Uh, you know, it seems you know if if I have it in a list format. Um, it's much easier for me to grasp. That's interesting because I I can relate to that. What I do is I brainstorm in a mind map, and and that's exactly what it is. It's just this liquid kind of uh, just putting all my thoughts out there and letting them grow. Mm-hmm. But if I revisit that later without converting it to any other format, it's very likely that I will not see the connection that I that I saw when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my stuff, I'll go straight from a mind map into like usually to OPML and then into an outline or into a markdown file. Okay. Because I have to flesh those ideas out and I have to write myself notes about those ideas. Okay. Because in raw mind map form, it really is. It's <laughs> like looking into a person's brain right. with all of these scattered nodes and electrons jumping everywhere. <laughs> and it, it's, it can be frightening on a larger mind map. Yeah. Um, even to see your own and realize that you're kind of insane. Right. Um, you're just lost. <laughs> just drowning in, <laughs> in nodes. But, um, but yeah, I do. I, I have to turn that into something more concrete once I've got it down. Mm-hmm. But mind maps are by far the fastest way okay. for me. So you, and, you do that immediately. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. That well, makes sense. I mean, like if I'm out and about, I don't, I, there are some good mind map apps on the iPhone, but I generally, if I'm out and about, I'll just sketch down in a markdown file, like in drafts, mm-hmm. just a few lines of what's on my mind and okay. send that to a, a Dropbox markdown file. And then mm-hmm. I just actually put a script out this weekend that lets you select like a markdown list or a list of headlines or any combination and it'll turn it into a paste format that you can pop into just about any mind map app. Okay. And so it'll take those those quick ideas I had and turn them into a basic map that mm-hmm. then I can start expounding on. Mm-hmm. And that works really well for me. Because like it just the faster I can get stuff out of my brain, the faster I can grow the idea. Right. If I spend too long trying to figure out what order to put things in, I lose like so many brain cycles doing that. Right, right. So I'm yeah, not trying. To, I'm to not revisit. trying to sway you. But. No, you know, I, I'm in, I'm intrigued now. I, I I think I might might revisit that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Though you you have to you have to turn it into something readable, right? Before you lose the, <laughs> the image connection. in your mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Connections. That's true of memory too. They say that if you can create multiple nodal connections in your mind to to a a memory. Right, you're more likely to right right after those after after one note or another has kind of faded away, one connection or another has faded away. Yeah, yeah. Alzheimer's brains. <laughs> yeah, I know you're you're not a neuro. Uh, I yeah, but, I, I'm not, but, but I'm nevertheless they, intrigued by. Yeah, by yeah, me too. And I, I'm I I am not a neuroscientist, and but I am terribly intrigued. Um, the whole thing about like, what is it? Nuns, the, nuns, uh, that I can't remember where is a monastery and they would, at the age of 50, they had to 
pick up a new trade and just completely restart their professional careers. Okay. Like it was required. And they found like that over a hundred years, zero of them had ever had Alzheimer's or memory loss because they were basically re- rebuilding the structures. This is theory, but right, right. rebuilding those connections in their brain in an entirely mm-hmm. new way. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. It is. It is. What are we at? 30 minutes. I think that's sponsor okay. two time. All right. All right. So our second sponsor today is Shutterstock.com, where you'll find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. Start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock gives you a global image collection to find the images you need from across the world. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages, and you can choose whatever fits your need and never have to compromise. If you only need one image for your blog or a mock-up, you can do that too. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new because they add 10,000 new images every day. And it's more affordable than you think, with no extra charge for large files. Just download any image at any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. If you need them, you can just take them. Easily curate and share pictures via lightboxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own lightbox gallery as you search. You can also use their iPad app to do this. There's something called Enhanced License Access. If you like an image and want to run it on print or swag for your trade shows, they can get you an enhanced license for any image. They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips, should you need any of those. If you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions. They also have 24-hour support during the week. Sign up for a free browse account at Shutterstock.com, no credit card needed. When you find the images you like and you decide to purchase, use the offer code DANSENTME8 and get 30% off of any package you put together over at Shutterstock.com. And that brings us to the top three picks for the week. I am extremely curious to find out what yours are because (laughs) I don't have three yet. Oh, really? I'm a little behind on prep. So I'm going to build off of whatever you've got. Okay. So give me some ideas. Okay. Well, my first pick is um, Anvil for Mac, which is um, basically a front end for uh, POW.CX. I I think that's how you pronounce it. But I think uh, you can just call it POW. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a way to manage websites locally, um, gives them a a .dev uh, URL that you can just, you know, paste into Safari or Chrome or whatever browser you use. Um, I started using Anvil when I migrated my uh, my blog to Octopress from WordPress. Um, it was extremely helpful um, to just be able to have a little menu bar app running that uh, you know allows me to uh, test my site locally before pushing it to Heroku. Um, so it's a great little one-trick pony. Nice. Um- Let's see. I think I've used Anvil. I think I have, but I don't know enough about it to to really go back and forth with you on it. Yeah, it's free too, which is great. That is nice. I think that I think that makes me think of Hammer, which I'll use for my first pick. Hammer is made by the same people, I do believe. So that would make so much sense. Hammer and Anvil. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know, but I, I feel like I just pulled that out of a hat. 
nice. um, Hammer is like a, a web development environment with auto completion for your code, and it handles SAS and CoffeeScript. Hamel, it can it can work with Markdown in your files, and then it provides special tags where you can do things like includes, um, uh, automatically generate file paths based on relative paths, um, and it does what any decent web development tool these days has the capability of doing. Uh, it auto reloads as you change your code; it'll update in your browser, so you can preview as you type, which or at least as you save. Um, which is very cool. That is cool. I'll have to check that out. It, uh, the one thing, the one complaint I have about Hammer, and the, the, the one reason that I still use my own kind of homebrew tool set, is a lot of its coolest features are proprietary. Okay. Meaning, like, the, the Hammer tags, the special tags yeah, that it provides. Yeah, like the includes and all that. Right. You can only yeah. use, you can only compile them with Hammer. Yeah. And I'm, I have a big issue with portability. Right. Like I need to be able to burn down my system, pull my files off of Dropbox and still be able to run a website with them. I guess you could just reverse engineer it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you could. I'm confident in you, Brett. (laughs) You can do it. (laughs) I've actually written scripts from Mart that turn all of my custom Jekyll tags (laughs) into placeholders so that I can preview my posts from my Jekyll blog in marked and get full previews with images in, in place and everything. That's slick. <laughs> I it, like that. It's actually, I, I don't know. I impress myself sometimes <laughs> once in a while. All right. So one down, one down. What do you have next? Okay. So, uh, the next one I'm going to do is actually a comic. Um, it's called day tripper. Uh, and it was released, um, by DC Comics. Uh, it's by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Uh, it's a short uh, series. Uh, there are 10 issues, uh, and I do, be- do believe it's available as a trade paperback now. Um, but the, to just to give you a quick synopsis uh, of it, it uh, follows the life of a writer with the coolest name ever, uh, Bra de Olivia Domingos, um, uh, and each issue represents uh, a significant uh, event in his life. And there's a twist at the end of each uh, issue, which I will not uh, give away. Um, but it's just beautifully drawn, very well written. Uh, the, uh, the, the inking and the, the coloring is, is superb. Uh, it's highly recommended. Day Tripper. I found it on Amazon. It's... Yeah. Uh... It's $15 for paperback. That's all well, I have to say it. about it. The only reason I say the price is because I have like, I have no idea right. anything about this. So I'm, I'm at a loss. I can't converse with you about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but if you recommend it, I will check it out along with, what do we have? I wrote it down. Black hole. Black hole, yeah. All right. Well, in, in the interest of creative arts i'm going to make my next pick music cool and okay this is a weird pick coming from me kind of but the heist by macklemore it's uh it's a hip-hop album he's uh he's i I think i've actually mentioned him on the show before but he's an indie artist uh out of portland i think 
who completely self-produced and released the heist uh, with no label. And he has a great line in a song. Um, I can't remember which one now, but he said, I'd rather succeed at being, ah, uh, it's basic. I can't remember the exact phrase, but I'd rather succeed at being a starving artist than I'd rather be a starving artist than succeed at being. And then he drops an F bomb. Um, <laughs> and the album is do. just, <laughs> the album is just intense. Like he's a funny guy. He's, he's the guy who did like, um, uh, thrift shop. Mm-hmm. And he has some very funny songs, very funny, but this album is dark. And he, he covers a lot of like his own like childhood and uh, chemical addiction, alcohol dependency, mm-hmm. friends dying, things like this. But he does it all in a very like upbeat, catchy way that it's really easy to listen to and really easy to get absorbed in. And I've found it an absolutely fascinating album, especially because it's not tied to a label. Right. I, I need to listen to more hip hop. I really do enjoy it. I just don't really know what to look for. Um, There's a lot of bad stuff. Yeah. That's, no, and I mean, it's hard to <laughs> like yeah. a Kanye West stuff. I can't, I can't do it. I can't, yeah. but more independent, more, more of the conscious hip hop, right. With the cerebral hip hop. Yeah. That stuff. I love, um, yeah, like, and it, it is, it, it's completely, it's like raceless. Mm-hmm. You get out there and you get into it and it doesn't matter who's black and who's white anymore. Yeah. Like these are people that are, that are doing something they're very skilled at and mm-hmm. they have a lot to say. And it, I, I love that. It just, it obliterates the idea of you can only rap if you're black or you can only say intelligent things if you're upper class and all mm-hmm. of this is just kind of hip hop can be really cool. Yeah. It was KRS one. Uh, yeah. Back KRS in the day is- that really turned me on to the whole idea of like the idea that hip hop didn't have to be, stupid or gangster to to succeed right yeah i think they actually krs1 came to uh to flint michigan where i'm originally from Uh, somehow that doesn't surprise me yeah so he's a good man krs chris um so anyway that's that's two for me all right i'm on a roll i'm on a roll rolling making this up <laughs> so my my third pick uh is actually a vim plugin uh, so it's super nerdy um but uh it's uh it's task paper uh dot vim <laughs> so it is a uh a vim plugin that uh contains uh support for uh writing and then using uh, task paper-like syntax. Um, so I, as I mentioned previously, I'm a Vim user and I really like the task paper format. So um, I was thrilled when I found this because it allows me to uh, keep my task paper uh, documents in Dropbox and um, I can very easily um, uh, you know, have a, a Vim document open and, you know, uh, certain things like comma TD will mark uh, a task as done. Uh, comma TX will mark it as uh, uh, canceled. Um, and it syncs between the task paper iOS app. So it's it's great. I like it. I, I find that format uh, amazing because there are plugins in just about every application 
yeah. that make it really easy to work with. Plus, I have all these like command line tools that I've built. Right. Um, and you check those out still. <laughs> the yeah. the format is just so ridiculously easy. Yeah. And you know, and portable. Right. And that's what I, I love. I love what Jesse did when he created it and just made something that was utterly simple in plain text form, but then mm-hmm. could be built on top of and all kinds right. of commands and parsing could be added to it. Yes. And then he, w- this is the same guy who went on to create uh, folding text and he's been on the mm-hmm. show before. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, it, the, the whole idea of, of task paper is genius. And I love that platforms like Vim have, have integrated support. Right. Good stuff. Good stuff. You'll never guess what my third pick's going to be. I will, probably won't. <laughs> you don't even want to try. Um, yeah, it's okay. Is it? Um, is it? A, is it another song? No, or it's a. It, it's actually a task paper plugin. Oh, there you go. <laughs> for Sublime Text called Plain Tasks, and it's not a pure task paper plugin. I've actually worked with the developer on a few of the regular expressions to make it more compatible with the actual task paper format. But it gives you a really nice looking uh, plain text view of a task paper file with keyboard commands for um, th- th- adding tags and done tags and all of these uh, new tasks and everything, all with basic command return kind of and command okay. D to finish. And it's I, I, I like my my command keys. And my yeah. uh, my hotkeys, which is why Vim and I have never uh, <laughs> you don't get along. Well, we we like get sometimes. along. We have flings, we have flings, <laughs> but never settle down with it for the long run. <laughs> um, but yeah, this does essentially the same thing as TaskPaper.vim, mm-hmm. and you can find it on GitHub. I will link it in the show notes. If you're a Sublime Text user and you use plain text task lists, this is a good one to look at. Definitely. Oh man, those top picks went way too fast. They did. You got any more? Uh, yeah, I do actually. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, let's see what I've got here. Um, another one that I kind of wanted to mention, but I'm kind of sad that it's probably going to be going away. Um, is uh, uh it's called FS Eventer. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Which was it is, you? Did you write in to suggest this? No, I don't think so. Because uh, I just got a an email last week saying, you know, you really should feature FS Eventer on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like a lot of what I do involves making configuration changes to large numbers of Macs, and um, occasionally, you know, we we use tools like. Uh, Jamf's Composer, uh, which does have similar functionality uh, in it. And, um, you know, there are other tools out there, but sometimes it's really nice to be able to see a visual representation of changes that are happening on the file system. Uh, It uses uh, the FS Events API, um, which, yeah, it's crazy. It will catch pretty much anything. Um, So you kind of have to know what you're looking for um, before you start it up and also make sure other programs are running and, you know, that you're, you know, if you just need to see where, you know, like, you know, a a P list value is, you know, changed uh, on the file system. It's a great way to do it. So why is it going away? 
Um, because apparently it doesn't work on Mavericks, um, and I, uh-huh. I don't think the developer is going to continue updating it. It might work, you know, but maybe someone will pick it up and... Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, it's using basic system functionality. Do you know what it is? Is it just the app itself that doesn't work on Maverick, or did something change in the FS event system? I, you know, I, I just brief, there was like an announcement on the oh, uh, the homepage. So yeah, I'll dig no. into that. Um, yeah. That reminds me of another pick that is equally as nerdy. <laughs> um, I I think I'm pronouncing this correctly when I say notice spy. Okay. It rhymes with notify, and it it shows you the uh, notification events that happen on your system, the ones that are broadcast. So, okay. like when you switch applications, it'll send a notification that this application has moved to the background, this one to the foreground, and some applications send out more accessible right. notifications. Um, and if you're developing anything that wants to hook in and, and react when other applications do something, yep, it's a perfect way to see exactly what happens when, and I can't find it. And I don't know if it got taken off the Mac app store, but it's not showing up for me on the Mac app store. No, I'm surprised it would have been in the Mac app store to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. <laughs> maybe I didn't get it off the Mac. But I'm not finding it on Google at all. I might have just like maybe it disappeared and I'm talking about it for no reason now. <laughs> no, it is. It's on the Mac App Store. I found it. I don't know how much it costs because it just oh, says okay. installed, but one ninety nine. One ninety nine. Fun little tool. Fun little uh, tool for very few people. Yeah. For for the very few people Fun that would <laughs> need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well we'll we'll call that the top four. Okay. That, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of the show. Yeah, I was looking forward to it. I am making notes, and now I'm back. All right, so our third sponsor today is Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code POPSICLE. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even makes sure your site looks automatically great. I should have rephrased that. (laughs) Automatically looks great on any device. I suppose looking automatically great would be kind of (laughs) cool. Maybe it's Maybelline. (laughs) It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. While you're there, make sure you go check out their new homepage, too. It has awesome videos that are so beautiful, and they show you how Squarespace fits everyone differently. Squarespace is always updating their site with fun new branding that you can't help but be inspired by. If you see, I I usually rewrite these scripts, but again, I was (laughs) ill-prepared. So the script says that you can't help but be inspired by it, and then immediately says if you've been inspired, which I feel is weird. But <laughs> don't let this detract from my my love of Squarespace. These guys are great. Um, so mm-hmm. if you have been inspired and you have a Squarespace site you're proud of, you can submit your site by tweeting your URL and using the hashtag 5x5Squarespace, all one word, because it's a hashtag. 
and maybe promote your and uh, maybe we'll promote your site on the next show. As we said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free, no credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just eight dollars a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure to get ten percent off and support the show by using the offer code Popsicle. Go check out Squarespace. Everything you need to create an exceptional website. All right. So you have a website called everythingisgray.com. What happens there? That is my blog. Um, I kind of abandoned it for like more than two years, uh, and I recently started blogging again. So uh, it's been fun. <laughs> so. It's a it's a it's a nerd blog. It looks it's like. a nerd blog. Yeah. Lots of code. Lots of code. Yeah. I like it. Do you ever, you ever, uh, when you're setting up a new system, do you ever just turn on shell logging and keep like an automatic diary of everything you did to set up a system? Um, no. Um, you, I mean, is that any different from just like the, uh, bash history or something? Or, uh, I find it like bash history is nice because it, re- you, it can't, it has the option to remove duplicate commands. Mm-hmm. But I actually find that having the full shell history, like iTerm, lets me just record the entire shell history to a file, and then I can play back through it. And I found that going through it later and trimming out the stuff where I made mistakes or I had to right. go back and redo stuff, I can actually make myself like a playlist of how to set up a new server. And you can you can play it back, so to speak. Uh, you you can play it back uh, as By in you can you script, can watch right. it right, right. but you, you can't have it run again from yeah. that. Um, kind of cool. <laughs> but they have like iTerm has the back in time feature, okay. which you can actually use to like go back to previous commands you ran and see their output. It's mm-hmm. basically a scroll feature, but with right. better, more scroll back history and better jumps. It's pretty okay. cool. Anyway, totally. That was so <laughs> random. I'm sorry. Um, and you are on Twitter as future imperfect. Is that a reference to the English language or like to language? No, it's not actually. Um, it, uh, it it's a reference to uh, this band. Um, oh, what are they called? Uh, they had an album called Future Perfect. Oh, Autolux. Okay, they've got a girl singer. Um, they're pretty good. Um, but yeah, the, I kind of uh, based my my handle off of uh, an album of theirs called Future Perfect. So that's where that I came assume from. Autolux is not the software for light calculations inside AutoCAD. Probably not. <laughs> I'll have to redo that search. <laughs> Pre-order album. That's got to be them. Okay. Yeah. Linked in the show notes. Because cool. uh, Future Perfect would be a tense. Right. Right. Okay. Just, yep. just, just so you understand where I'm coming from with the question. Yeah. No, I do. I do. I do. That's... And Future Imperfect also works on app.net, but you're not active there. Not yet, but maybe someday. I got yelled at for cross posting today. Oh yeah. I've been like certain things People take that seriously. <laughs> yeah, they do. Certain things that are less that that kind of blur the line between what I use Twitter for and I use app.net for. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll post on app.net and then cross post that to Twitter. Yeah. Um and that's worked just fine for me. And yeah. I mean I, things, I guess as long as it's you know mundane not every stuff. Post. Yeah, or yeah. yeah. No, I mean stuff that's technical and, and questions that I have that I need answered by people who know what they're talking about goes to app.net because on Twitter I get the most inane yeah. replies to I, technical questions. Yeah, that's 
why I signed up for app.net recently, and I'll probably start using it soon. It is really good for that. It really is. Um, all right. And that leaves me, and I am TT Scoff everywhere. Last FM, GitHub, Twitter, app.net. Probably places I shouldn't tell you about. <laughs> um, and then I blog at brettterpstra.com. And... Thanks for being here, James. This has been a fun episode. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. All right. And we will be back in a week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs>